0: Amen. You may be seated this morning. Well, take your Bibles and turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. We gave a bit of an introduction to the book of Joshua last week, and we are jumping into chapter 1 this morning. Uh, Really looking forward to this journey with you. I will be doing, I believe, two sermons from Joshua chapter 1, and then most after that doing about a sermon per chapter and uh, really believe that God has some good things in store for us. If you noticed uh, this morning on the front of your bulletin, it told you the mission of our church. We're trying to reiterate that over and over and over. Our mission at Prince is actually quite simple. It is to lead people to trust and follow Jesus. If you're visiting this morning, you say, well, "What are what are you guys all about?" Well, that's what we're about. We're about leading people to trust and follow Jesus. This is our understanding of the Great Commission. When Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to observe all I've commanded you, our understanding of that, of making disciples, is to lead people to trust and follow Jesus. And then we bring them into the church, we baptize them, and then we begin a process of teaching them. What are we teaching them? We're teaching them to continue to trust and follow Jesus. One of the things I've tried to reiterate over and over over the last few weeks and something that is very significant for us as we understand our mission is that our mission is the same for every single person. If this is your first time to ever walk into a church, our mission is simple. We want to lead you this morning to trust and follow Jesus. We wanna call you to make a decision today to believe that Jesus is better and as a result of that, to choose to trust and follow him. And if you have been walking into this church for the last 40 years, our mission for you is the same this morning. We want throughout this morning to lead you to continue to trust and follow Jesus Christ. That's our goal for every single person here, just to trust and follow Jesus, to make an initial decision that then leads to a life in which we continue to trust and follow him. In other words... We really believe that the most important words, the two most important words in this walk with Jesus Christ are trust and follow. Everything else comes out of that. Our love, grace, kindness, the fruit of the Spirit, everything comes out of that decision to trust and follow Jesus Christ. I think John Samus might have been on it when he wrote these words in 1887. Trust and obey, for there's no other way To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. It pretty much says it, doesn't it? There is no other way to be happy in Jesus except to trust and obey. And that really is the message of Joshua chapter 1. It is a call for the people of God to trust and follow the Lord. You could say that the entire book of Joshua is a book about the faithfulness of God. But if we were going to put a subtitle on the book, we might even add a little bit more than that, because... Although it is primarily a book about the faithfulness of God, it's more than that. It's about a people's response to the faithfulness of God. The book of Joshua is a group of people who have chosen to trust and follow the Lord because he is a faithful God worthy of our trust. As we talked about last week, God longs to lead his people, and even us this morning, back into life as it was intended to be. God designed life to be lived in a certain way with God's people, Living in God's place, experiencing God's peace, and fulfilling God's purpose. That's life as it would seem to be. That's life in the Garden of Eden. That is eternal life in heaven. That is the life that God is restoring right now in the people of Jesus Christ. And you will notice, particularly in chapter 1, that Joshua is all about land, And it is all about rest and peace. And all throughout the book of Joshua, we're going to get to some extended chapters in which hopefully we'll just preach one sermon from where there's just a lot of land being divided up. And you think, well, what is all the point of land? The point is this. It's not really about land. It's about a God who keeps his promises about who God, who said in Genesis chapter 12, I will lead you, Abraham, into a better land, and I will give you great descendants, and you will be a blessing to the rest of the world. Every time you see the word land, which you see over and over in chapter one, it is a reminder of the faithfulness of God. He is leading his people into life as he intended for it to be. And it's what he's been doing for generations. It's what he was doing in the previous generation before we get to Joshua. They were really, as they left Egypt and crossed over the Red Sea, a few days away by walking from entering into the promised land, but an entire generation failed to get into the promised land, not because they couldn't get there, but because they refused to trust and follow the Lord. And the result is this, 40 years of wandering. Can I just tell you, that is a wonderful picture Of what life is like without Jesus Christ It's just wandering I was joking with with Andrea yesterday I was talking about how my brother uh, Made a couple of observations about me When I was younger Well many, two I'll tell you One of the observations he made is this He said, Josh, no matter where you are You're always ready to be at the next place Which is true And he said this, he said I've also noticed that even if you're not going anywhere You're really committed to making great time and that really does describe my personality. I'm always thinking about what's next. It doesn't matter. If I'm in traffic, I would rather get off and drive 100 miles out of the way. I just want to make good time. I don't care where I'm going. The sad part of that is, is that really is a little picture of what life is like without Jesus. I told Andrew, I don't really want to use my life as a picture of life without Jesus. But there's truth to this. You, there are a lot of people out there making great time. They're just not going anywhere. And if if Jesus is not at the center of your life, you're wandering. It doesn't matter how purposeful you think you are and how many leadership books you might read, you are wandering aimlessly through this life. But all of a sudden there arises a new generation in the book of Joshua that is ready, we believe, to trust and follow the Lord. And the question really is, not is God faithful? God is faithful, but will they trust and follow a faithful God? And Joshua 1 tells us, how is it, that a group of people trust and follow a faithful God. Let me walk through this with you. I encourage you to write these things down. If they are going to follow a faithful God, the first thing is this, they must trust and follow God's man. They must trust and follow God's man. Now, the tone is set immediately in verse one, where it says, after the death of Moses... The servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant is dead. Two times just clarifying that Moses is gone. And this is not a statement of fact. This is a massive moment in the history of God's people because the previous generation had known nothing but the leadership of Moses that there had never been a leader greater than Moses. There had no one who had experienced what Moses had experienced. There is no one who had met with God like Moses had. And all of a sudden, you have this massive uncertainty of what's gonna happen next because of the weighty statement, Moses is dead. I mean, look at what it says. If you might just turn over to the left at the end of Deuteronomy, in chapter 34, verse 10, it says this. There has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, none like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land and for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all of Israel. In other words, there had not been anyone like Moses who knew God, who walked with God and did the miraculous works of God and now all of a sudden that leader is gone. So there is a feeling when you open up Joshua of weightiness and uncertainty and questioning what in the world is going to happen next. But that weight of uncertainty changes in a very quick moment in which he says in verse 2, Moses, my servant, is dead. And it's almost like there's a period there and he stops and says, okay, Moses is dead, but my promises are not dead. And my purposes are not dead. Now, therefore, arise go over the Jordan, you and all the people into the land that I'm giving to them and to the people of Israel. And from that moment on, the tone is now set that God is ready to move. The question is, are the people ready to move? Moses is gone, it's a new generation, let's go and take hold of the promises of God. And all from verse two all the way to verse nine is God speaking to Joshua. Now I'm gonna read those verses for us, but I want you to notice something as I read them. I want you to notice how personal these words are from God to Joshua. Notice the word you. If you bought one of the little journals of Joshua and you want to mark in that, I have circled every reference to you in this because it's significant. Listen to these words. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you, and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous, do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Listen, the Lord is speaking directly to Joshua. These are eight verses of God's command to Joshua. The courage that is needed is Joshua's courage. The strength that is needed is Joshua's strength. The obedience that is needed is Joshua's strength. The Lord is looking to Moses, I mean to Joshua, and saying this, Joshua, you are my man. You are my mediator. I will lead the people through your courage. I will lead the people through your strength. I will lead the people through your obedience. He is the one that God is calling. God is not speaking to anyone else right here in these verses Then he is speaking to Joshua. Joshua, I am calling you to lead my people. And listen, the success of the people of God at this moment was directly tied to how much they were willing to trust and follow God's man. God looked at Joshua and said, Joshua, You are the man. I have raised you up for this generation. You are gonna be my servant warrior leader and you are gonna lead these people but you must be strong and you must be courageous and you must obey and the people will be successful in as much as they trust and follow God's man. These commands were not given to anyone else but to Joshua. They must not only trust and follow God's man, they must trust and follow God's word. That's the second way they're gonna enter into the land and receive the promises of God. They must trust and follow God's word. You have this mentioned of land nine times. You might have noticed it when we read a minute ago. It's much more even in verses 13 and 14 where it says the Lord your God is providing you a place of rest. He will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave them. Verse 15 says... And they also took possession of the land that the Lord God gave them. You shall return to the land of your possession. You shall possess it, the land that Moses the servant gave you, land, land, land. And every mention of land is a reference to the promise of God, that God has made a promise. He says in verse 3, he says, As I promised to Moses. He says in verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers. What the Lord is saying is this, I made a promise generations and generations ago, I have never once broken a promise, and it's my intention to keep my promises, and I will keep my promises. The question is this, will you trust my promises? Will you believe my promises? Will you take me at my word and believe that I will do what I say I will do to the extent that you will not just believe it here, but you will follow it? This is the key to Joshua's own success. In verse 7, look at what it says. Be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn to the right hand or to the left that you may have good success wherever you go. He says to Joshua, Joshua, if you're gonna be successful here, you better follow the command of the Lord. Trust and follow my word. Now, let me just say a word about success here in Joshua chapter one. I get asked this question often. Someone approached me about a month ago, not even knowing I was preaching Joshua and say, I don't know what to do with this promise of success. First of all, Let's understand success as it was intended here. Success in the eyes of God is you accomplishing everything God intends for you to accomplish. That's success for you. Success is you living to the fullness of everything God has for you. Ephesians 2 says God has prepared all these good works for us to walk in. A successful life is a life that trusts and follows the Lord and then accomplishes everything God wants you to accomplish. You have no idea what that looks like. That may look like you selling every possession that you have, going to the ends of the earth, and dying a martyr's death. That might be success for you. It might be being a businessman in Oconee County and making an incredible amount of money and using it to bless the church and the nations and those who are less fortunate. I don't know what that looks like for you, but success is following Jesus and accomplishing what he has for you. What Joshua hears from the Lord is this. If you will be obedient to me, if you will trust and follow my word, then I assure you, you will be a success. You will encounter life as it was intended for it to be. And that's exactly the journey here. It is a journey towards success. It is a journey towards life as it was tended to be, but success is accomplishing the promises of God. He says it in verse eight again. Look at what he says in verse eight. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall, and here's some good words, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Three words I love in verse eight, mouth, meditate, and do. What is Joshua to do with the word of God? He is to have it in his mouth, meaning that it's to be coming out. He is to meditate, meaning that it should be in his heart, and he should be doing it, meaning that it should be in his feet, that he's speaking it, he's thinking about it, and he's walking in it. That's a picture of what we do with the word of God. If all we ever do is get this word in our head, but it's not in our heart, and it doesn't lead to action, we have not appropriately dealt with the word of God. So he says, Joshua, Here's what I'm calling you to do, that you think about the word, you talk about the word, that you do everything I've commanded you to do. It is also the key for the people's success. Immediately in verse 10, Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions for within three days you were to pass over the Jordan and take possession of the land your God has given you to possess. Will they believe the word? And look at the last few verses of chapter one. Look at verses 16 through 18. The people of God answered Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses and all things, so we will obey you. They understand that their success is tied to how much they trust and follow not only God's man, but the word of God that comes from him. They must, if they will inherit the promises of God and they will encounter success as God intended for it to be, they must trust and follow God's man and they must trust and follow God's word. There's one more part of it. They must also trust and follow God's process. Listen to this. They must trust and follow God's man. They must trust and follow God's word and they must trust and follow God's process. There's this interesting connection you might have noticed in chapter 1. There are promises and imperatives. Imperatives are commands. Think about this with me. There's all these promises like you will inherit the land. No man can come before you. Every place where your footsteps will be your land. I have promised it and I will give it. Command, I mean uh, uh, promise, 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 promise. This is yours. I've given it to you already in the past. And then all of those promises are followed by commands or imperative saying yes. I've given it to you, but you must go get it. You must go take it. You must work to receive that which I have given to you. Four times the Lord says to Joshua, Joshua, listen to me. I have given this land to you. This land belongs to you. It has been reserved for you, but you will only receive it if you are strong, courageous, and obedient. There's this strange, odd connection and it does help us to understand the way in which God works in our lives in which he is saying, here's everything I've given to you but if you want to receive that, you must go get it. And just notice verse 10. So the Lord just spoke to Joshua and said, Joshua, here's the land I'm giving you. Joshua's immediate response is to go and give three commands to the people of God. Command one, pass through the midst of the camp. Command two, command the people. Command three, prepare your provisions. For within three days, you are to pass over this land to go take possession of the land your God is giving you to possess. He's already given it to you, but if you want to get it, you've got to pass through the midst, command the people, and prepare your provisions. Now listen to this. By the end of the book of Joshua, the people of God will have received all of the land, but in the process, they will go through 13 major battles and seven years of conquest. God will accomplish his sovereign purposes, and he will choose to accomplish his purposes through the obedience of his people. They must work, they must fight, they must go, they must take the land. And God's power and God's promises and God's presence are all given to them to enable them to go and take the land. They were not at a moment in which right now they simply had to rest in the promises of God. God said, all of this I'm giving you. The question is this, will you trust me and will you follow me? Will you choose to walk in obedience to my commands, knowing that I will give you the land through your obedience? If this generation was going to experience success, life as it was meant to be, they had to trust God's man, trust God's word, and trust and follow God's plan and process. They say, well, Pastor Josh, that's great. I'm, I'm happy for them. This is great. But what does that have to do with us? There are two very important verses in our study of the Old Testament. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says this. First 1 Corinthians 10.11, don't turn there, I'll read it for you. First 1 Corinthians 10.11 says this. Talking about the stories of the Old Testament, now these things happen to them as an example, but they are written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Romans 15.4 For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. You say, what is the purpose of the Old Testament? Does the Old Testament matter? Every single word of the Old Testament is just as much the inspired word of God as the New Testament. Every bit of it matters. And it doesn't just matter because it's God's word. It matters because God has given it to us as a model for us to know how to move forward as the people of God. As those verses tell us, it is our example, it is instruction, it is encouragement for us. It is so that we might, through endurance, inherit the promises of God. As we seek to live a life that's a success in the eyes of God, as we want to go after everything that God has made available to us, a model for how we will do that, and grab onto everything God for us, as a church, as a family, as an individual, is modeled for us right here in the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua gives us an example, instruction, and encouragement. What it says to you is this. Listen, do you want to experience life as it was meant to be? Do, do you want to live a life that is a success in the eyes of God, taking hold of everything God has for you? Well, then you know what? We do it the exact same way. Listen to me carefully if you want to take hold of life as it was meant to be, if you want success in life as God has determined it, you must trust and follow God's man. You must trust and follow God's man. Joshua is pointing us to another mediator. Joshua is pointing us to another warrior leader. He points us to one who is sent by God to lead the people and it's no coincidence that he has the same name that the Greek name for Joshua is Jesus. There's no coincidence that God the Father gave Jesus this name to point us back to one who is most closely like him in the Old Testament, another warrior leader named Joshua. Jesus was sent like Joshua to deliver his people, to fight all of their battles, to bring them into experiencing life as it was meant to be. Jesus is the perfect Joshua. Listen, Jesus is the strong one. Jesus is the courageous one. Joshua did not obey every command of the word. The only one who has ever done that is Jesus Christ. He walked in strength. He walked in courage. He accomplished the, the, the purposes of God and was obedient to every single command. And every single thing that you see about Joshua is pointing us to a greater Joshua whose name is Jesus Christ. Think about it this way. Joshua led the people into temporary rest, but Jesus has come to leave us into eternal rest. Joshua gained victory over evil nations, but Jesus Christ gained victory over death, sin, hell, shame, and Satan. Joshua invaded Jericho with the sound of a trumpet, but one day Jesus will invade all of the earth with the sound of a trumpet. Joshua stormed the gates of Jericho while Jesus stormed the gates of hell. Joshua died, was buried, and laid to rest with his father. But Jesus died, was buried, was risen to new life, is now seated at the right hand of his father above all rule, power, authority, and dominion above every name that is named. The people of God rode into victory on the coattails of Joshua, and we will ride into victory on the coattails of Jesus Christ. Joshua was a godly man. Jesus is the God man. And your success is completely tied to how closely you're following Jesus Christ. Can I just tell you something when you're reading Joshua 1? Listen, I know we need to be encouraged by those first few verses. But you know when God speaks to Joshua, he's not talking to us. That's not about us. That's about Jesus. Jesus is the Joshua. We're not the Joshua. Jesus is the Joshua. We're the people who follow the Joshua. This is pointing us to the kind of man we needed to bring us perfectly into the rest of God, who we could follow into experiencing life as it was meant to be. And Joshua fails short, but Jesus did not. He has accomplished everything, and our success is tied to how closely we follow him. He is our warrior leader, and we will make it if we follow the simple command of Hebrews chapter 12, which simply says this, look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. The question is this, are you following God's man? Are you following God's man? I'm not asking if you made a decision when you were six years old. I'm asking right now, are you following God's man? We will make it into the promises if we trust and follow God's man. We must also trust and follow God's word. It is no different for us. We are the people in this text. Jesus is a Joshua, we are the people. And we must say to Jesus, the same thing the people said to Joshua. I love these three phrases in verse 16 and 17. What you have commanded, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey. Listen to that, we will do, we will go, we will obey. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It means that I have recognized that Jesus Christ is the only one that is going the right way. He's the only one that can lead me into eternal rest and I will experience the fullness of all he has as I choose to go where he goes, to do what he says and to obey what he commands. Is this the disposition of your heart? Is this the disposition of your heart? Lord, whatever you say, we will do. Wherever you send us, we will go. Is that the disposition of your heart? Wherever you send me, I will go. Whatever you command, I will obey. As we are marching forward as the people of God, hoping to grab onto life as it was meant to be, it will be determined by how much we trust and follow God's word. The disposition of our heart, completely submissive to the Lord Jesus Christ. And there are some of you this morning who are running from God. There's some of you who know God is calling you into certain act of obedience, whether it's to say something, to do something, to give something, whatever it may be, and you're refusing to do that and you're wondering why you're not making spiritual progress. You're wondering why you're not experiencing the blessing of God. You're wondering why you're not experiencing the joy of his presence. It's because at some point you have come and said, I'm not going to go where you tell me to go and I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. We must trust and follow God's man. We must trust and follow God's word. And listen, you must trust and follow God's process. It's the same for us. We trust and follow God's process. All of the promises are yes in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1, we talked about it last week. We have every blessing in the, spiritual, in, the spiritual, in the heavenly places through Jesus Christ. What I want you to know is this. The moment that Jesus Christ died and you entered into a relationship with him by faith... All of your access into everything God has is secured, but your experience of it is conditional. Not your access. You can't work to get the blessing of God. You get it by grace. It's all available to you. It's right there for you, but your experience of it is dependent upon your obedience to him. We don't just sit here and do nothing and wonder why we're not making progress. We don't let go and let God. We go take hold of everything that God has given us. Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. That's a promise. If he started something, he will finish it. And then he comes back in Philippians 2.12 and says this, You must now work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you. God is working in you, but you must work out what God, God is working in you. This is how this life works. Listen, I don't know how you heard the gospel, but if you heard anything other than this, That we live in a broken world and life is hard, but Jesus Christ is better than all of those things. And the moment you come to Christ, you don't get delivered from a broken world. You simply come to know Christ and allow him to put your life back together in the midst of a broken world. Then you did not hear the right gospel. And it could have been that some of you are wondering why following Jesus Christ is so hard. And it's because someone preached a gospel to you that is not the gospel at all. The gospel is that life remains hard, but Jesus Christ is good and better. And you walk with Jesus Christ by faith, following him, believing that if you follow him, he will take you to life as it was meant to be. It will begin in little moments as you experience it with him, but it will not be experienced fully until he comes again. I've been thinking all week about these familiar words from John Newton. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. It is His grace that has brought me safe this far and grace will lead me home. Listen to me. Grace will lead you home, but grace will lead you home through many dangers, toils, and snares. I said to you last week that life is hard and we live in a broken world. Following Jesus Christ is the best of all possible lives in a broken world. I beg you to trust and follow Him. There is nothing that matters more in life than Jesus. Everything else is simply aimless, wanderingly. Will you trust and follow our warrior leader, Jesus Christ? Nothing else matters. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes this morning.